morning. Everybody a little bit, little bit tired from last time. Just a little bit. Not really tired, but you know. I'm Nate Menor. Uh, I'm the I'm the lead pastor here uh, for whatever that's worth, I guess. Um, so I started off with I wanted to start with a question, right? Like the message, the title of the message is trust, and the first line of my notes is who do you trust? Um, and I was gonna just roll with that, and the problem is is. Um, so my kids have this song that's by, it's like a Christian kid's song and it just starts off, who do you trust? And it's super twangy and it gets annoying after about four seconds and it's been in my head all week because that's the start of my message. So I'm just dealing with that, just like twangy, who do you trust? It's bad. (laughs) All right, so who do you trust? The thing is, is there's lots of different levels of trust, right? So I trust my mechanic, but I trust him to change my oil. I don't trust him to necessarily babysit my kids. He might be that trustworthy, I just don't know that, right? And so there's a level where trust can be built. And so, you know, if my mechanic, you know, I needed my mechanic to babysit my kids, you know, we do a background check, we have the conversation, get to know him a little bit and say, oh, well, maybe we can get there. But the thing is, is that there's a level at which you sort of have to, to, to earn the trust of people, you have to develop trust in other people, it has to, to grow and trust can be broken. And we know that that's a problem because our trust is broken all the time. A lot of times we have a relationship when we're fairly young and we trust this person and we think that this is gonna be a person that we're gonna be able to rely on for the rest of our lives and they do something and it hurts and we don't trust people as much after that because there was that relationship, right? Like that thing happened and so that's been broken. Uh, we get skeptical and, and we learn the hard way that not everyone is trustworthy. And, and we don't trust a lot of things now, right? If, if there's a picture and it's digital, you're like, ah, could have been faked. I don't, I don't know if I really trust that. You know, if it's an audio recording, we, we do believe it a little bit, but we shouldn't because you can completely fake that as well now. Um, we don't trust the government, we don't trust corporations, like we don't really trust that many people or things. This, there's not that much that we feel like we can rely on. It's hard to, to put faith in people because sometimes it backfires and then we wanna grab control. Like when our trust is broken, we wanna control, we wanna run things, we wanna do it our way because that's, that's the way that we fix that, right? So I don't trust you, I'm just gonna handle it myself, I don't really believe that you're, you're gonna do it the right way. But this morning we're talking about trusting Jesus, but we still have kind of the same response where we don't think that Jesus is really trustworthy. Like we will say that we trust Jesus and we'll trust him with like after we're dead because we know we can't control that, but we don't wanna trust him in the here and now. We, we kinda wanna hold on to that. We kinda wanna control that. And so this morning, a lot of the things that we're gonna be talking about is based on trust. We're gonna talk a little bit about anxiety. We're gonna talk about money a little bit. But the thing is, is if we truly trust Jesus, that means that we rely on him for everything. Like everything, everything. If we truly trust Jesus, we have to rely on him for everything. And so that's a hard thing for us. We have to actually trust that Jesus is reliable. We have to put our faith in him. So, in some ways, this is just the application of all the stuff that we've been talking about until now, right? We, we started off talking about how Jesus' value system in the Sermon on the Mount is radically different from our values. Just at a base level, the things that Jesus is saying is a lot different from what we think. 
And then Mike walked us through the Beatitudes and the rhythm of blessed are the, you know, so-and-so for they shall, right? And so there was that rhythm where these people are blessed and we're like, I don't think that they're actually blessed. It doesn't look like they actually have blessings as, as a part of whatever that thing is. And then I talked about uh, the, the change that Jesus had when he talked about the law. He said, you've heard it said, this is the pop religion. This is what everybody thinks is true. This is what we all sort of naturally accept. But then Jesus says, but I say to you, you're like, whoa, that's a lot different from what I expected. I was not prepared for that level of intensity, right? And then two weeks ago, Randy talked about how our righteousness can't be in order to impress people, right? Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people to be seen. We still are supposed to practice that righteousness, but we're supposed to really just lean on God and say, you know what? I believe that if I do this and nobody is impressed by it, that's still the right thing to do because that's what you have called me to. And then last week we talked about the Lord's Prayer, praying for what God wants. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And so that's supposed to be the, the ethic that informs our lives. It's supposed to be the way that we pray. So this is in a lot of ways sort of a natural result of all the things that we've been talking about. As our, our mindset changes, as our ethics changes, as our prayers change to be more focused on Jesus, then the anxiety and the focus on, on material things lessens. It shifts. So we're going to start in Matthew chapter 6. We're going to start in, in verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moss and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moss nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So this morning, quick note, instead of doing application questions at the bottom, my application questions are my points. So we're just gonna run through the different questions and that's gonna be what we're, we're just gonna talk about kind of the questions as we go through. So the first section here is, it's a command, but it's a, a negative and a, a positive command. So the negative is don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Like don't plan and store things that are gonna be on this planet Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. It's a reframing of how we ought to invest, right? Like we're gonna invest in things. We're gonna put our money towards something. We're gonna put our time and energy towards something. And if we invest in things that are temporary, it's gonna go away. And Jesus says, it may go away when you die, but it also may go away a lot before that. We've had that experience, right? The stock market crashes, property values plummet. These things happen and, and you save for retirement. That money may not be there when you get to retirement or the value of the money might not be what you thought it was gonna be. These things are just the way that the world is. And so Jesus says, don't invest in the short-term things like your retirement, invest in things that are eternal. In teaching team meeting, uh, Randy said, money is like Chuck E. Cheese tokens. We all just immediately burst out laughing, right? Because money is Chuck E. Cheese tokens because it's great when you're there. Right, like if you've got Chuck E. Cheese tokens and you're at Chuck E. Cheese, you're like, sure, I can play all the video games I want. I get these tickets and I get this stupid little junk at the end. It's great, it's a lot of fun. But once you walk out of Chuck E. Cheese, you've got all these tokens and they have no value at all. Right, like you can throw them away, you can hand them out to people and nobody, nobody cares, nobody wants, like there's no value. And that's what the things that we save up for and plan, that's what those things are when we die, right? Like you can have the largest investment account you can possibly imagine and you die and you're like, that doesn't have any value once you're dead. Like it's gone, it's not yours anymore. 
It's just done. And so Jesus is saying, listen, there's gonna come a point where the money, the things in this world that you save up for, that you focus on, it's gonna be gone. It's gonna disappear. Are you prepared to deal with that? And, and this is hard because we, we do, we like money. <laughs> we like money a lot. Um, and it's easy to make a lot of little decisions that focus on the here and now. Like, it's easy to work a little bit of overtime rather than spending time with your family. It's really easy to spend a little more time focused on investing rather than actually spend some time in the study or in the Word. Like, when you get up in the morning, is the first thing that you check your stock prices? Is it your work email? Or is it, hey, I need to check in with God and make sure that my relationship with Him is right? Right? Like, we actually make those little decisions all the time, and it's very hard to be disciplined and say, I need to be making sure that I'm placing my investments in things that actually have eternal value, not things that are, are short-term. So what do we treasure? What's the thing that's my priority in life? What's the thing that I invest in? Jesus continues in, in verse 22, and this is a little bit of a transition, so be prepared for this. Uh, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? So it's actually a very similar point. It's a metaphor about our eyes. Uh, so think of eyes as not a window. Think of them as things that we focus with. So Jesus is saying the thing that you focus on, that's actually gonna be the thing that informs the rest of your life. That's gonna be the thing that dominates your thought processes. That's gonna be the thing that shifts the way that you think about things, right? So when we, when we look at that, then it goes like this. If we focus, if our, if our mind, our, our energy is focused on our appearance, that's very popular right now. It becomes this thing where we chase, you know, the clothing or a perfect body type or some, some level of external, the way that people view us. We really focus on that. And what happens is our spiritual health gets a little mangled, right? Because we're focused on what people see. And we spend our time on things that are very temporary, clothes and, you know, the way that we look. And so externally, we look perfect, But then what ends up happening is, is our time management gets all out of whack because we're focused on things that nobody really cares about that, that loves us, right? Like the people that really care about you don't care about what you look like. They don't care about your hair, your makeup, any of that stuff. They just, they, they care about you. And so then we don't care about them as much because they don't have the same priorities that we do. And so then we shift our friend groups, right? And, and our relationships kind of either have to warp to, to fit our new focus or there's something else that goes on and, and we we have this change in our values, right? And so it's, it's kind of messed up. If we focus on like ambitious ambitions, our, our accomplishments, the things that we want to accomplish at work in our career or, or other things maybe that we want to accomplish. And what happens is we sacrifice our family and we sacrifice our health and we, we sacrifice our time and our energy in order to build up this thing that we're chasing, right? And, and maybe we do really good at that. Maybe we actually accomplish a lot of those things, but what happens is we haven't balanced out the fact that we actually need a life, like we don't have good relationships with our family because we've sacrificed them for this thing. And we don't have a, a time where we can rest and relax. Like it just pops in like I'm always working, I'm always working. We, learn, we forget how to actually just rest in who God is. We, we burn out and we kill ourselves. 
We're focused on the wrong thing. Our eyes are on the wrong thing. If we focus on, on our happiness, like the immediate joy that we can experience in a situation, this one gets really weird really fast because like we, we turn to this all-consuming hobby or some kind of an addiction, right? And everything begins to revolve around that. If it's an addiction, then it's like, I'm willing to sacrifice anything to get that next hit, that next high. If it's a hobby, then it's like, well, I can't spend time with any of my friends because I've got this hobby and I spend, you know, two and a half days every week focused on that thing. So I don't have any free time for anything else. And we allow ourselves to slide physically or emotionally. And we go to unhealthy places spiritually because this is the thing that makes us happy. And we're just going to focus on that or we focus on relationships, right? And we end up making a person, often a romantic partner, the center of our lives. And we want that person to be everything for us. Unfortunately, that person is imperfect. They're a sinner just like we are. And they can't, they can't carry that weight. And so we put them on this pedestal and we're like, you're gonna be the thing that makes me happy. You're gonna be the thing that gives me fulfillment. And then they let us down and we're frustrated and we're angry because they let us down and, and then we're, we're bitter and, and we sort of lash out and our whole lives, again, become twisted in a long way because this other person didn't make a good God, right? The relationship implodes and we either have to rebuild it and put that, a new person on a pedestal or that person back up on that pedestal. Like, it's just bad. It doesn't work because no matter how amazing a person is, they're not, they can't save us. And so we get all these different things and if we focus on these different things, then ultimately that darkness, that, that inherent problem with whatever that thing is, that infects us and, and we become frustrated and angry and bitter because we've been let down by the thing that we were worshiping. And if we focus on God first and foremost and we recognize we're sinners, we're saved by grace and that he's perfect, he redeems us, then all of a sudden all those other things sort of fall into place. Right? My work isn't the, the end-all, be-all. I, I don't have to worry about how other people perceive me. I don't have to become this perfect ideal thing. Right? Like I, I can be imperfect and other people can see that because I'm a sinner saved by grace. And I, I don't have to worry about like my work. That's, that's a, a, a way that I can just glorify God. It's it's I need to do well, I need to do, do a, a good job, but that doesn't define me. And so I, I'm allowed to say, hey, you know what? I'm overwhelmed, I gotta take a step back, I gotta take a, a week off here. I, I know it's important to the company, but it's not important to my spiritual health. So I'm just gonna, I'm gonna take a break and I'm not gonna sacrifice my family or my mental or my emotional health in order to be successful. My career is just a way that I can serve God. And, and my hobbies, my immediate happiness, those become less important because I know that God's got something more for me. I don't have to be completely happy. I can sacrifice moments or even weeks or months of joy because I have real joy in serving God. I have higher priorities. I don't have to have the people around me meet every single emotional need because I realize they're flawed and broken just like I am. And I can turn to God and I can say, you know what? These people are broken and I need to find my satisfaction and my happiness in you. And that's the relationship that actually becomes really important. Ultimately, our focus has to be on God, right? It has to actually be that our focus is on God. If our lives don't revolve around God, then what happens is, is our lives just kind of implode on themselves and we get frustrated and we get angry because we're gonna be let down by everything else. And if we don't admit that, then that darkness is what, what uh, Jesus is talking about here. Our lives become infected with whatever the inherent sin of the thing that we focused all of our time on. I 
I hope I explained that metaphor in a, in a helpful way. It's, it's, a, it's a weird metaphor that's kind of stuck in the middle of these other things about what we value and what we focus on. Jesus continues though, verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So he puts it to a very fine point. What are you loyal to? Who are you loyal to? You might have two jobs. You might have two bosses. That's not the same as two masters, <laughs> right? Master is ownership. That's a whole nother level. And we can submit ourselves and say, I'm owned and dominated by money, or we can say, I'm owned by the one that created me, the one that loves me. We're tempted, I think, and I was having a conversation this week about this. We're tempted to think that we can serve God by making a lot of money, right? Like that's the natural temptation. You're like, ah, I can, I can sort of make this money and use that as the way that I serve God. No, that's actually just getting, going after what you want and giving God like 10% and saying that you're like, that's enough, God. Like that's, God's not asking for the leftovers of what you decide to earn. He's asking for you. And if you're gonna serve money and you're gonna be a slave to money, then that's the thing that's gonna control you. And you can't kind of throw a little money at God at the end and be like, no, God, I'm really serving you. Like, it doesn't work like that. We have to make the decision to serve God with 100% of what we are. We have to be fully loyal to him because if we're not, we're making a decision to serve something else. All right, this is the long one. <laughs> anxiety. So we've talked about money. We've talked about focusing on money. We've talked about how that can be a thing that kind of controls us. But Jesus kind of moves into this next section where he wants to talk about anxiety as a result of us trusting money, which if you focus a lot on money, anxiety is right there behind it, right? Verse 25, therefore I tell you. So Referring to those previous things, you can't serve both God and money. So the result of that is, I'm telling you, Jesus is telling you, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. So the question that Jesus asks here is, why are we anxious? And a lot of this stuff is kind of intuitive, but we struggle to put it into practice. Meaning, we know that anxiety is bad. We know that we shouldn't stress out about these things, but also we struggle with it. <laughs> you don't have to be even vaguely religious to be like, no, anxiety is a problem. Like look at the world around us. We know that anxiety is a problem. It has been multiplied in COVID and it's been multiplied by the existence of social media. Like those are just factors that make it grow exponentially, but it's always been an issue. We've always dealt with it. And Jesus just kind of summarizes all of this and he's like, don't be anxious. 
Emily uh, Irma Bombeck said it this way, and this is helpful. <laughs> Worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but you never get anywhere. And that, I think, is a part of what Jesus is saying. He's like, listen, you can spend your time worrying. That's a choice that you can make. But it's just going to be that. And it's not going to do anything. And at the end, if God's going to provide, then he's going to provide regardless. <laughs> you can worry about it. You cannot worry about it. It doesn't actually change anything. It's just, it's all in your head. And what happens is it's all in your head. You stress out about it. You make yourself unhealthy. And it still ends up being the exact same thing. When, when we focus on things that worry us, we, we just are, are basically getting inside our own heads and staying there. Like we just live wrapped up in our own minds. And Jesus sort of invites us to take a step back and look at the wider picture. Rather than obsess over the details that seem to be super important now, just kind of step back and say, what's the larger picture look like? And do I really need to focus on this this much? Couple of observations. The first observation that Jesus makes is life is more than food and the body is more than clothes. So Jesus is, one of the things he's saying is that the kingdom of heaven isn't wrapped up in physical stuff, right? Food is helpful, but you can survive for a little bit without food. Clothing is important, but that's not the only thing that keeps you alive. And most of us have a lot more clothes than we need just, just to stay alive, right? Like we, we live in the United States, we have pretty full closets here. And so there's all these things that are important, but when we focus on those things and make it all about the focus on those things, then we've, again, we've warped things out of perspective and, and we're, we're not focused on what God's calling us to. It's one of those things where Jesus is saying, listen, there are things that you need to focus on that are important, but when that becomes the only thing that your brain lives on, that's the problem. Right? There's lots of things that you need to, th to think about that you need to be aware of. Food and clothing are among them, but those aren't supposed to be the things that we focus on 24-7. One of the questions that kind of pops up as we read this section is, does this just mean I shouldn't work? Like, should we just trust God? Should we just be like, you know what, God? I'm not supposed to worry about food. I'm not supposed to worry about clothes. So I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to just go and I'm going to live off the land. And that's not what he says, right? He doesn't say that food is immaterial. He doesn't say that you don't need to wear clothes. He says life is more than food. The body is more than clothes. Those are a small percentage of the larger picture. Don't make them 100% of the picture. The thing is, is our focus needs to be that if we're obedient, then God will provide, right? We serve a gracious God. We serve a loving God. He will provide what we need, Right? That was what we were supposed to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. Today, what I need for food. Not what I needed for you know, the next three weeks. Today. Don't worry about it. Give it to the Lord. You would be shocked at how many times not worrying about it and allowing God to control it works. Mostly because your worry wasn't going to do anything anyway. Right? That's, that's a given. Second observation. God actually cares about his creation. So this is gonna be a little weird. I'm sorry that this is weird. Uh, so I grabbed a couple different translations and laced together this paragraph again and made a couple of Nate Menor edits. So this is the paraphrase of Nate Menor, like Nate Menor's paraphrase of Jesus, okay? So this is not inspired, this is me. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna read it to you because I feel like we read this stuff and we get kind of wrapped up in the metaphors and we don't hear what Jesus is actually trying to say. 
Look at the birds. They're free and relaxed. They're not tied down to a job. They don't careless in the care of God. Wow, that was weird. Why did I write that? And you count far more to him than birds. Will all your worries add a single second to your life? All the time and money wasted on fashion, do you think it makes that much difference? Instead of look at, looking at clothes, walk out into the fields and look at the flowers. They never go shopping, but have you ever seen color and design like that? The best dressed people on Instagram are a mess compared to them. If God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never even seen, don't you think he'll take care of you and take pride in you and do his best for you? Jesus is saying, listen, God created this world and there's a whole bunch of stuff out there that doesn't think about their daily existence at all. And yet, they have daily existence and they look beautiful. And it's not because of any effort of their own. It's because that's what God did and God provides for them because that's who God is. He's a loving creator. He loves you and he's taking care of you. He provides for flowers that can't do anything, right? They just sit in the ditch. The answer is not to be Christ-like, I have to go sit in a ditch, right? Like that's not the application. What he's saying is, is if Jesus provides, if Jesus makes a way for the flowers to just be there and look great, you're probably not gonna look better than the flowers no matter what you do. And that's not a knock against you, that's all of us, right? But when we focus on like how good do I look or what am I gonna eat or all these different kinds of things, we're basically at some level saying that either we want more than we think God is gonna give or we don't think that God will adequately provide. And Jesus is saying God is going to provide enough because he loves you and he wants to take care of you. The transition question, can worry add any time to your life? That one actually really stings in this day and age because with research, we've realized that anxiety is slowly killing you, right? So as you stress out, as you focus on things that are not that important and you obsess over them just a little bit, you're slowly killing yourself. You're not adding seconds to your life. You're actually taking seconds of your life away. How many of you guys have heard of the name of George Mueller? He's kind of like famous. Okay, we got a couple people. People read Brethren stuff still. That's good. So if you ever pick up a biography of George Mueller, prepare to have your mind blown because this guy was a great man of prayer. So he, he ran several orphanages in London about 180 years ago. So he's in London, he's got these orphan, and he really feels like these verses are the core of what he wants to live his life around. This and the give us this day our daily bread were like his life verses, right? And so he wouldn't ask for donations, he wouldn't ask people to give money. He's providing for between dozens and hundreds of orphans at different times, and he didn't ask for money. He would just pray. And so every night, all the staff of all the orphanages would gather together and they would pray. And they would say, God, these are our needs, this is what we want, this is what the kids need, and God would show up. And it's weird because there's, there's not like one story where it's like, oh, God really provided. It's like chapters and chapters of little snippets where it's like, oh, we don't have any bread for tomorrow. Oh, okay. And then all of a sudden like, hey, so they're done praying and they're all going back home and somebody's like, hey, oh, hey, I missed you early today. Here's, here's you know, a couple hundred bucks to, to buy food for the kids for tomorrow, right? And it's just over and over. And then he's like, oh, our waiting list is 150 kids. We can't, we can't put these kids anywhere. We need like $5,000 to start up a new orphanage. And suddenly like three days later, somebody's like, here's $5,000. I thought you might need this. And it's like, it's just over and over and again. And you're reading like, this is ridiculous. 
ridiculous how much this guy just, it is what it is, like God's gonna provide, and God's like, yep, I'm absolutely gonna provide. So if you like biographies, he's a great one. And, and what you realize is that God actually does provide. Most of the time, we don't take God at his word. Like most of the time, it's our lack of trust rather than God not coming through. Because the people that are like, nope, I'm 100% just gonna live my life, take God at his word on this one, God does it. I'm not, again, I'm not recommending you quit your job and just be like, I'm gonna live by faith. What I, what I am saying is maybe you need to not stress about some of the details. A lot of times we just don't let God provide for us. We've got to control it. We've got to do it. We've got to make sure that it works out the way that we want it to. And God's like, listen, just let go a little bit. I'll provide a little bit. You'll trust me a little bit more and then we can keep going, right? Just let go a little bit. So the question that pops up obviously is, should we not plan? Should we not save? Like, should I not have a retirement account? Should I be prepared to just sort of live off the land? That's not what he's saying, right? He's not saying don't do any of these things. What he's saying is, where's your focus? What's the thing that you're, you're spending your time thinking about? Because if your time is spent thinking on how much money you need to have in order to retire, then that's a big part of what becomes your focus, right? Like that becomes the thing that drives you and you do everything you need in order, or that you want in order to accomplish that goal. And Jesus is saying, maybe, maybe you need to make that not your focus. You need to just do what I've called you to do and be obedient and allow me to actually provide for you. Like I do technically plan my clothes out the night before, but that's because in the morning, if I try and make a decision, like I'm not gonna be capable of making the right decision. So we, it's, it's not don't plan, it's be aware of what your limitations are and what the goals are, and make sure that those things are informed by God and what he's trying to do in your life. Third observation. Wrong focus is connected to our lack of trust, right? So Jesus says, the Gentiles worry about these things. When he says Gentiles, it's, it sounds racial, it's not. It's people that are not connected to the people of God, right? So he's saying, listen, people that have no relationship with God at all worry about these kinds of details. You're supposed to know better. You're the people of God. You know that God can provide, you know that he's created everything, you know that he loves you, you know that he's willing to, to sacrifice for you, and so you should be able to let some of this stuff go. The rest of the world doesn't have any hope outside of now, right? So of course they're gonna want the best right now. That's, that's all they have. The best that they can hope for is a great life and a great retirement and then die and that's it. And, and when we look at our lives, we're like, okay, so I've got 70 or 80 years here, and then that's the end of that, and then I've got eternity with Jesus. I can maybe not worry as much about the first 70 or 80 years of eternity. Like that, really, when we think about what we actually believe, that's what we're saying. Like, we need to stress out and make sure that the first 70, 80 years are super comfortable, and then we'll worry about the rest when we get there. That's a bad plan. Like, that's a terrible strategy. We need to say, listen, Lord, I'm going to spend eternity with you. Maybe I need to be focused on that and less worried about this first couple of years of eternity. People that have nothing guaranteed, they're going to scratch after every single thing that they can. We have an eternity in heaven guaranteed. We don't have to scratch, we don't have to scramble, we don't have to, to claw after things. So then the really pragmatic question is, how do I fix my focus? 
Like if, if, a, if a problem, if my anxiety is a problem of my trusting God, a problem of my focus, how do I adjust that? How do I focus on eternal things? So not a very popular answer in these day and age, but it takes a lot of time. <laughs> and it takes a lot of effort and you have to make intentional decisions. Right? Specifically, start off by praying to God, I don't want to focus on these things that are short term. I want to have an eternal focus. And then we start reading about how God has kept his promises and we start remembering God's times that God has kept his promises to us. And we focus on the fact that God is an eternal, trustworthy, loving God. We focus on that part of God's character and we keep praying, God, I want to focus on you and your eternal values rather than me and my short-term values. And then in the moment when it pops up and I'm super stressed or I'm super anxious, I need to be like, Lord, I'm not supposed to be anxious. I need to let this go. I need to trust you in this. And sometimes that's a year-by-year prayer. Lord, help me to trust you for the long-term goals of my life and just allow you to work. And sometimes it's second-by-second because some of our problems are big and they're right in our face and we can't let them go easily. And still, it has to be, Lord, I have to give this to you. You've got to be the one that controls it. It has to be retraining ourselves to prioritize the thing that God wants us to prioritize. Also, don't underestimate the power of sleep. I was reminded of that this week. Holy cow. <laughs> Thursday night, I was so stressed out, and I woke up Friday morning, and Sarah was like, are you okay? You were really stressed out last night. I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. I got eight hours of sleep. Like, everything's wonderful now. I, like, the basic physical things that we're supposed to do, we know those things, right? Like, eat enough food, get enough calories in your system, exercise, be outside even though the weather is miserable, sleep eight hours at night, more if you possibly can. Like those are things that help with anxiety, but long-term those don't shift your focus towards what God is asking you to. So the last section becomes a summary. And by the way, these verses are amazing. And if you can only memorize small bits, verses 33 and 34 are great things to memorize to start refocusing on, on what God's asking you to, right? So verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So seek first the kingdom of God. <laughs> it's a huge command, right? Because we know what the kingdom of God is. It's enormous and we can't do all of that. But really what the question is, is are you gonna trust God first and foremost for all this stuff? Are you gonna make his priorities your priorities? Or are you gonna do something else? And Jesus says, focus on the kingdom of God. That has to start in our hearts. That has to hope start with us. It has to start with us being loyal to God more than we're loyal to what we want, right? And so we have to ask for forgiveness for the parts where we've been selfish and we've been focused on what we want. And we have to say, you know what, God, I need you to actually be the one that I prioritize. And that can't happen for us on our own. That has to be the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, which means that it has to start off with a relationship with Jesus. We have to say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that my anxiety and my stress and my anger and all the other things that I do that are naturally me, that I, don't, that I know that you don't like, <laughs> those are sin. And I don't want those things. 
right? I don't want to be focused on the kingdom of me. I know that that's a problem. Jesus, I want you to take control of my life. I want you to be my savior. I want you to rescue me. It has to start with that. Jesus paid the price for our sins. He brings us into the family of God. If we don't start with that relationship, then none of this other stuff is gonna matter because you can't really trust God. You can, but you don't think you can. Paul says it this way. He, meaning God the Father, has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And so Paul is saying, listen, you've got a kingdom that you were a part of that was sinful and messed up and a problem. And because Jesus or God basically took you and moved you into the kingdom of Jesus, you're now a part of the kingdom of God. It's a, it's a complete shift in where you live. And that happens when we come to Jesus in faith and say, I'm a sinner, I need you to save me. I wanna be a part of your family. I wanna have a relationship with you. And so Jesus gives us redemption. He moves us and now we're under his rule. We're under his reign and he is a, is a God that we can worship and he's a God that we can trust. He loves us, he's gonna provide for us. God has already paid all of our debts. He's already, he already sacrificed Jesus on the cross. Like he sacrificed his own son out of love for us. We can trust him with dinner tomorrow night, right? It's a much smaller thing that we're, we're talking about trusting him with. We can seek his kingdom first because we know what real security is. We have this relationship with God that's eternal and we don't have to worry about whether or not that's gonna change because we see what he's done for us already. I don't have to worry. I'm a son of the king of the world. And verse 34 is really helpful for us when we kind of start to get out of whack, right? He's like, don't be anxious for tomorrow. Tomorrow has some trouble. Worry about when, it's, when you get there. It's about focusing on what God has me living for today, right? If I focus on what God has for me today, then I cannot worry about the rest of it. It's what's in front of me, what is God asking me to do, and the rest of it's up to him. I'm gonna invite the worship team up. Uh, so a couple years ago, actually 15 years ago, <laughs> I had a guy that worked for me named Jerry. Now Jerry, I hired Jerry, he was a great guy. He worked hard for me for like two, three years. And then he had some family stuff come up and he had to move to Texas. So he left. And then a year later, he wanted to come back. Sure, he was fantastic. The second time he was less than fantastic. He was terrible. Um, so I, I brought him in and he's working on this project and it's just not getting done. And there's all these problems with it. And it's just like, so I'd already had like two of the conversations of like your work's not up to par and, and it's a problem and we gotta deal with this. And so I'm like, why is Jerry so bad now? And he was so good before. He was such a good guy. He was so reliable and now he's so terrible. And so I'm like, I, I think I have to fire him as much as I hate firing people that I like. Um, I, I can't justify how bad he is right now. Like he's terrible. And so I was stressing about it for weeks and got to the point where I'm like, all right, we're gonna have the conversation. This is the last one. And I'm gonna tell him, listen, you got this amount of time to pull it together. I'm gonna have to let you go. Like it's the ultimatum meeting, which never goes well. People always quit in ultimatum meetings. So I'm like, all right, so Friday, we're gonna have this meeting. It's gonna be bad. So Thursday night, I'm super stressed. I woke up at like three in the morning on Friday and I'm so stressed out. I'm like, oh, I do not wanna have this meeting with this guy. I find myself running at five in the morning because what else do you do when you're up super early and stressed out, right? You work out. So I get there. So I'm, I'm driving into work and I get a phone call. It's one of the other managers. They're like, yeah, so uh, we had to let Jerry go. I'm like, 
what? <laughs> like, yeah, so last night we were locking up and we found one of the doors open. So then we checked and saw the videos to see like why the door was open. And Jerry went over there and he, he unlocked it very specifically. Like he unlocked the door. And then in the middle of the night last night, like we locked up, but then in the middle of the night last night, a black van came up and they were trying to get in that door. Like he unlocked that so somebody could steal. So we brought him in this morning and you know, we're not pressing charges, but he's gone. All that stress about firing a guy that's stealing from the company? Come on! <laughs> like, I lost all this sleep, all the stress. Why? It, it was because, like, he was a bad employee because he was stealing. Like, why was I stressed about that? Now, obviously, there's a human element to that, and I didn't know that, and I'm not in control of that. But at the end of the day, it really comes down to if God, if you're doing what God calls you to do, if you're being obedient, focus on the day in front of you. You would be surprised at how many times God can just handle the other problems, right? Like, I didn't want to fire him. Of course, I'd known if he was stealing. I wouldn't have had any problem with it, right? It's a different conversation. But the thing is, is it's one of those things where I was stressing out about it because I wasn't just, you know what, God? I've got to allow you to be you. I've got to have the conversations you lead me to, and I've got to be the manager that you've asked me to be and let it go at that. So all of these things come back to where do we place our trust? What are the things that we rely on? Are we willing to rely on God honestly and truly for all the things that we need? Or are we going to try and control it? Are we going to stress out for weeks about things that really we ought not? Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you that you are a good and loving heavenly father, that you provide for us in ways that we can't even imagine sometime. You love us. You walk with us. You're always there for us. I pray that we would not get wrapped up in focusing on things that are, are going to come to an end that are gonna be irrelevant in 100 years, but that we would, we would spend our time and our energy and our money on things that have eternal value, things that give honor and glory to you, that, that point other people to you, that ultimately will be things that in eternity will look back and be really happy that we did. Uh, give us a focus on you. In your name we pray. Pray, amen.